Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Called You Here to discuss about another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Called Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we review AW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. And sir, we are gathered here. We are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about what needs to happen after double or nothing. Now, I will, of course, caveat this because it's going to probably come back and bite us on the arse. We are recording this before AEW Dynamite, before the Fallout episode of Double or Nothing of AEW Dynamite. So this may all be a load of bollocks, but we're trying to think more long-term here. Uh, Sid, we're here to talk about what needs to happen after Double or Nothing and what a launch pad that pay-per-view was. Indeed, indeed. It was a special, life-affirming show, not without its flaws, um, but it was just through sheer force of will or just the stars aligned, everything that didn't really pan out in terms of Actual errors, I think, in sequencing and time allocation and um, what tone needed to be hit. Everything that was a bit questionable still had elements of greatness. Um, it was as if everyone just wanted this show to be great. Even some might say, Adam Wilborn, fate itself. Hmm. Like Even something like Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida, I don't think they'd ever have a match as bad as they did again the next 10 times they wrestle. Mm. The last three minutes were still pulsating, incredibly dramatic, deafening in the heat. And he got a lovely moment with Tony Schiavone afterwards. Ultimately, the idea was strap Britt Baker the very second she is received by actual fans as a superstar. Mission accomplished. Um, Battle Royale, which, God damn it, we'll get to that. Um, a very uneven, distracting, overlong match won by the absolutely ideal guy who was subsequently received in the aftermath as just the biggest star on the goddamn show in Jungle Boy. AEW, having had the disaster at Revolution, ended on an euphoric high note with an arena full of fans, when that still feels like this wonderful novelty, mm -hmm. shouting along to Judas for a happy ending. 
it has been referred to as a new era for AEW. And I kind of believe that hype. It's something that WWE tends to say, well, the last one was crap and everyone sees through it. We'll better like put a plaster over something and call it new era. Mm. Um, I genuinely feel like with Rampage imminent um, and the fans coming back, it's more of a substantiated marketing campaign than it is some kind of transparent bollocks to convince the marks that everything's going to be okay again. Um, so yet they are very much poised to um, bring forward a new era and to bring an end to one such title reign. But we'll get to all of them imminently. Hmm. And if you're sitting here thinking, why aren't they talking about the things that needs to happen after Double or Nothing is them sweeping up all that newly released WWE talent. Well, we are going to tackle that. Or we will have already tackled that by the time this comes out in a Q&A podcast that came out on Thursday. So if you want to know Sidgwick's thoughts on all that, which I've no doubt people will want to know, uh, that is already released. It's available as a podcast right now. Let's start, though, at the end of Double or Nothing. Uh, this may well and probably ha- will have been followed up on uh, Dynamite, of course. But in terms of futures for the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle, where do they go next from Double or Nothing longer term, I suppose? I for sure think there will be some kind of continuation of this feud. If not, then AEW runs the risk of the win shared by each stable not mattering. Mm. That was a huge, huge point of their selling point, the initial copy, all of which has been substantiated in the booking, wherein wins and losses do, in fact, matter. The series is tied at 1-1. I feel like someone like MGF in particular would have to respond to that. Um, Ultimately, the aim here isn't to get, oh, he spent this many months of television and several more before that with MGF and Chris Jericho half feuding within the inner circle before the full explicit feud happened between um, the inner circle and the pinnacle. All of this can't be, oh, well, it's going to be really great spending eight months doing this because at the end of it, um, 4,000 fans will sing Judas for five minutes at the end of the show. Like, that can't be it. Like, that can't be it. And if it is, then, God damn it, like, people need to build some kind of an app, a virtual reality app where Chris Jericho can have people sing Judas to him because he loves it a little bit too much. He was even loving it a little bit too much when the people standing ringside were paid to sing it. Like, surely this has got to be it for the Judas thing. It was already getting a little bit like, ah, oh, Christ, I, it was organic on the cruise, not so much anymore. So that can't be it. It can't be that important to have people sing goddamn Chris Jericho's theme tune. It just can't be it. So with that in mind, with the series tied at 1-1, opening, him, opening themselves up to totally just criticism of, all right, well, that was 1-1. This whole thing needs to establish the pinnacle as the dominant stable in AEW. I realized that the super elite essentially are that because they hold um, two of the major championships. But you know what I mean? Like, it's an actual stable who are going to, at some point, replace the inner circle. And that would indicate to me two years of full um, domination. This series needs to continue and the pinnacle need to win it. It's very backwards in terms of how we've arrived so far. But at the same time, they pulled this off with Omega and uh, Moxley, so I'm not too concerned. It's gone from blood and guts, this JCP-originated stipulation that favoured the JCP, JCP Jim Crocker promotions, for those who aren't aware of the shorthand. Um, 
the JCP group won the JCP gimmick match in the pinnacle. Then you get the more funny sports entertainment in a circle who win the sort of theatrical cinematic um, stadium stampede two match. Basically, each stable has won their speciality match, mm-hmm. if you like. This should be noted in the booking as, well, you can't separate us. We won our match, you won yours. Let's have a goddamn wrestling match. It feels so backwards after blood and guts, but ironically, given that Stadium Stampede 2 was what it was, uneven, I liked elements, didn't like others. I think people are like actively asking for just a goddamn wrestling match between these two stables mm. or like various combinations of these two stables to lead to the big five-on-five five, um, blow-off. So I think even though it's backwards, they've worked themselves in a position where people will go, right, okay, yes, I am actually up for a wrestling match. I'm kind of sick of the gimmicks. Um, so let's go for it. I would have, because WWE once upon a time had some great ideas, which believe me, we'll get into later on in this podcast. Rip off Survivor Series? Mm. Rip off Survivor Series. It's Survivor Series, except it's built for more than a month. It's the most organic <laughs> conflict with which to rip off Survivor Series. You obviously can't call it a traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Think of some branding. I had one. Call it one by one. A one by one match. So one by one, both teams are eliminated from a five-on-five elimination tag team match. Call it one by one. Call it whatever. Just do this particular match. Because everyone loves the Survivor Series matches. Even when they don't have stakes, they're loads of fun. The, the match itself, the way it's structured, is dramatic without having a great grand conflict um, tacked onto it. So I think if you do a Survivor Series match with this feud building it, I think it'll be absolutely awesome. Um, so I would do a traditional Survivor Series match by a different name, obviously, um, in which the Pinnacle win. And then that establishes them as not just this group that's in the mid card, which sometimes they can be accused of being, but no, in fact, they are the dominant stable. And then there are more permutations later on in the year. Completely agree. I think I think it's the right way to go. You know, there's no point trying to go bigger than blood and guts in terms of like just a wild brawl. I think you've accomplished that. Like you say, it was a weird order to have Stadium Sampede after that, but it is what it is. We're here now. And I think, yeah, just straight up wrestling match. Obviously, you've said throughout this, the long-term goal is, of course, MJF literally taking Chris Jericho's spot, the pinnacle, t- the pinnacle taken over from the inner circle. You can eventually have potentially the pinnacle versus a babyface version of the elite or whatever direction you want to go in. But uh, yeah, uh, Survivor Series under a new name is, is exactly what you need to do. Well, we're going to get into predicting future champions, the next champions uh, for the belts in a second. Before we get to that, someone who punched his ticket seemingly going forward uh, as a a contender for the world title, re-establishing that record. I think he's second, believe, behind Jungle Boy on the uh, world t- title rankings is uh, one hangman page, of course, defeating Brian Cage in a fantastic opener at Double or Nothing. It, I, I'm intrigued now. Again, this could have been dealt with on Dynamite. We could just have a, a nice sort of month-long feud we're going to get to keep him busy until All Out, which you've said for months if not years now needs to be the 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 moment for for hangman page what do you think he could or should do in the interim i suppose well here's the thing he's going to have to do quite a bit in the interim because the next 
um, the AEW pay-per-view is not until three months' time. Yeah. So that's three months of an arc they need to map out on behalf of Hangman Page because Hangman Page is... Hangman Page, Kenny Omega 2, particularly given the reaction Page got and how well the storylines have been built to um, ensure that reaction for him at Double or Nothing. He's a pay-per-view headliner, and Page Omega 2 is a pay-per-view headliner caliber match. All going well. Also, I've just realised very quickly, sorry to interrupt, I'm just on All Out 2021's Wikipedia page. The tagline, have you seen this? Where champions are made. Uh, wonderful wonderful stuff um so yeah he can't do fight for the fallen fighter first the thing is kenny omega because he's brilliant at planting seeds has planted several you can go challenger by challenger by challenger and you can almost take him to all out itself he's got jungle boy in just over a week eddie kingston did not take the pin conspicuously in that tag match against the Bucks. I think the idea is, because it's been established as it's pretty much going to happen on TV, is that he'll have a match with Omega. Meantime, we've got Christian Cage. Mm. That has been teased. So you've got at least three opponents for Kenny Omega. And the the joy of holding a title, at least in terms from a Booker's perspective, is that someone can have a little run on Dark Elevation, jump up the rankings, dynamite TV defence someone can win a battle royale again in like July, early July, a tournament. You can, you, you can do anything to establish a contender. So there are several ways in which to take this for Kenny Omega. Hangman Page is different. And this is kind of where it's difficult to book yourself, but thrilling when you see the booking of this ranking system. At the minute, Hangman Page is number two. Theoretically, he's next in line after Jungle Boy, but it's always so much more interesting than that. And they mm. always tend to sort of stave off the ultimate destination. We saw it with the Brian Cage loss. Something like that could happen. Another confidence rattler for Hangman Page, which he can then avenge. My idea is thus, because I think it will create a new wrinkle to the elite melodrama, and it will give you at least two awesome matches and maybe a third should Hangman Page find a partner. I know Frankie Kazarian's doing it right now, but his failure to do it could compel Hangman to do the same thing but do a better job, or he could join forces with Kazarian. Hangman Page and Kazarian, by the way, would be a ripper tag team. That would be great. Hangman Page, once he's been in the rankings, and they don't do this very often, so I'd excuse it here, he could have like a number one contenders match against whoever's number two after Jungle Boy and have the elite under orders of Kenny Omega in, in screw him out of it. Yeah. They don't do many screw jobs. And I think that could heat up this match with Kenny Omega to make explicit the story beats that some people might find a little bit too subtle. This is a he big leg down as he's going for the bookshot lariat from the outside. I love that. I love the idea. I'll pitch something similar. Um, ahead of, I can't remember when, but that'd be a perfect symmetry moment. Hangman Page could then have that introspective moment of doubt where he's like, probably deserve that. I did the same thing. So I would have Hangman Page and Frankie Kazarian join up as elite hunters, if you like. <laughs> that would allow a match with the Good Brothers. Hangman Page could go a few weeks without the title ranks, which would allow someone like a Christian Cage to, it's like a big intricate spider web. <laughs> so if he's occupied in the tag team vision alongside Kazarian, that would allow a Christian Cage 
to mm. outwork everyone and have his shot in like July or late June or wherever. Um, and then Hangman Page versus Matt Jackson in a singles match. Hangman Page versus Nick Jackson in a singles match. Two absolute rippers that vault him back up the top of the rankings just ahead of All Out. And then you do the match. Basically, Hangman Page needs a nemesis or a stable acting as one big nemesis. And I like the idea of him doing stuff with Kazarian. I like the idea of Hangman Page working singles matches with each member of the books because they're both great at singles matches. And this gives you a free hit with which to do it. Um, so yeah, I'm all for that for Hangman Page's direction. Because there are a lot of... Like, the best thing about the young books losing singles matches is that they're a tag team. They're the best tag team in the world. <laughs> you can easily beat them as heels in a singles match because they are so great. And they've done it twice among their most... I think the only singles matches each of them have worked on Dynamite have been against Phoenix, and they've both had that lapse in concentration where they've like reached out for a corner or attempted a double team move and realized, oh Christ, I'm in a singles match, hmm. and then had like then been undone as a result of that. So the problem is which heels do you have lose to get the baby face over? I can't think of two better heels to give an awesome match and to lose and it not matter at all. In fact, to be explained by the storytelling, if in fact he beats Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, who no one should need to be reminded are best friends with Kenny Omega. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Well, seeing as we've talked about Kenny Omega and him hopefully eventually dropping that uh, AW World title to Hangman Page, let's talk about the next champions. Uh, let's start with the Young Bucks, because a lot of people are saying now, who do you have 
take these titles off them after that just barn burner of a match uh, against Moxley and Kingston. Um, I would have done it to them, even if for three weeks, just because, and I know it's not the long-term booking. I know that Matt and Nick Jackson are going to say something either on Dynamite or on being the elite in the coming days. That's going to make you hate them all the more for beating your favourite goodies. But I can't think of a babyface tag team, and I'll include the books in this for their entire AEW run, which I've really enjoyed virtually all of it. I can't think of a babyface tag team that they've built that people loved as much as Eddie and Mox. Mm. And that's the whole purpose is you strap up, you belt up the guys who you love the most or you love to hate the most. And people seem to love Mox and Kingston the most. So whoever they drop it to, have got a hell of a job on their hands of approaching the level of over that Mox and Kingston were. Um, and for that reason, for me, it has to be a babyface Santana and Ortiz. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. Santana is so good on the mic. He's phenomenal on that stick. He can sell you a match in two sentences. He's got such a great economy, which is so valuable considering that like TV time is at a premium. And that's true of Dynamite in 2021 uh, more than ever. Um, they're awesome baby faces. They've only just turned baby face. Um, they've got so much to do in terms of getting back in those rankings. Um, and I just think Santana has got that. In particular, Ortiz is awesome too. Um, but Santana in particular has got like genuine babyface superstar potential. Mm. And looking at that loaded, loaded roster of tag teams, I just think what AEW fans who are prepared to boo the elite, they seem to like authenticity in their babyfaces. Moxley over to an absurd degree because people believe in him and he's just the nicest, soundest bloke. Eddie Kingston, just this raw, bleeding soul of a bloke who's also like just great at promos, but he's Eddie Kingston and unmistakably so. Hangman Page, like this guy who suffers from anxiety and is very much just this open wound of a man. Authenticity is key and people believe in Santana and Ortiz and I think that they're the team to do it. Really hard to book the other these titles and all the other titles. I mean... Britt Baker's literally just been crowned the new AW Women's World Championship. We are not suggesting she's going to drop it anytime soon, I assume. Uh, but who would you have eventually take it off her? Is it as straightforward as, as, as a Thunder Rosa match or is that just a path to, to future title challenges? Because it's, it's wide open now, as we talked about in, in the build to it, of now you've got a new Women's World Champion having had the same one there for a year. It opens up this whole new realm of possibilities. Yeah, she can burn through so many opponents that... By the time she gets to the person who's going to dethrone her, there could be a member of that women's roster who isn't really that experienced or um, over enough that she might arrive out of nowhere to beat her. It's so, for me, so far on the horizon. So basically, I'm just trying to pick someone who I like <laughs> at this point, rather than it making any kind of sense. Um, she can go through Riho. She's obviously going to go through Rosa, and I think it was so inspired to do the unsanctioned match because not only did it sort of solidify Britt Baker as this great wrestler. I know she had a bum night at um, Double or Nothing, but it established her as the finished article, someone who could be a draw at the TV main event level, and it didn't count mm. also. And it's going to add drama, like loads of it, hopefully, when Thunder Rosa first challenges her. Riho's 
um, based in the United States going forward. Um, I think she was so good and was so popular in AEW's early run that she could be a credible all-out challenger if they establish her sufficiently. I don't think I would have her win it. Um, I'm just going to say Yuka Sakazaki because I really like Yuka Sakazaki. And hopefully by the time I think people are a little bit prepared to see, right, okay, this Baker run's been legendary, but, um, you know, it's maybe time to end. Hopefully when that happens, Yuka Sakazaki's done everything she needs to do um, in Tokyo Joshi Pro, um, in which she's genuinely like an ace top star figure. And she can move to America and hold it for 500 days. Oh, what a dream that'd be. Uh, seeing as we're booking so off in the distance, I'm just going to indulge myself as well then. I'm going to say it's been such a long time that Britt Baker just organically has had to kind of turn baby face regardless of her acts. Uh, and therefore she has to go up against one of the best heels. And that's Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill's mm-hmm. going to take it off her. And it's going to be so far off in the distance that I think Jade's got a lot of time to, to really work on her in-ring stuff because it's it's developing. We see it every every time we see her step between those ropes. And I mean, I'm not saying she's going to have to have a great match pulled out of her, but if you're going to rely on someone, it's going to be Britt Baker. In terms of Thunder Rosa, just thinking, she could be the person to take it off Serena Deeb, of course, with their, with their history in the NWA. Yeah, I'd run that back. I would run that back. Um, absolutely, I would definitely run that back. Um, I would continue to um, promote the NWA women's title alongside the AEW title. I think people were so, frankly, wrong about going, oh, well, why is the NWA women's division on AEW Dynamite? I don't think the fact that they were in a different division or a different company was the problem. Like, representation was the problem. And that problem has been resolved because Serena Deeb's absolutely ace. Um any opportunity to see Serena Deeb, and I know she's signed to AEW as well, um, on my television screen is just awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, if you're a fan of Serena Deeb's, uh, you've got to hear what Nick Aldis had to say about her. I chatted to him the other day. That interview should have come out yesterday. Uh, fascinating chat with the uh, NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Worlds. He uh, heaps praise on Serena D. One title left then, and, uh, well, good luck to anyone trying to take it. It's Miro. It's the TNT Championship. He's going to hold this for a while as well, I suspect. At least until All Out, at least. I know the TNT title has a history of being um, defended and switched on Dynamite. We've seen it. We've seen three title switches on Dynamite. Brody won it on Dynamite. Cody won it back on Dynamite. Um, Darby yeah. won it um, full gear and Darby lost it to Miro on Dynamite so yeah it's it's very much a TV title in that regard it main events TV shows it's switched on TV shows it's clever to switch it on TV shows provided they don't do it often enough which too often rather which they haven't because it's you're simultaneously establishing it as an important title that takes a hell of a lot of hard work to win and it can be one on TV, which adds to the new aura of TV is this is what it's all about at this point. TV is more important than anything. So sorry, that was just an incidental praise of the way <laughs> they boot the title itself. As for who wins it, like Jungle Boy. Yes, again, you're reading my mind. The thing about Jungle Boy is that he could theoretically, how long will it take Jungle Boy to keep doing what he's doing and that's narrowly losing at the last, but winning enough matches in the meantime, like against Dax Harwood, which was a great match, for example, and him still retaining the support before he's stigmatized as a guy who's just, you know, there. Mm-hmm. I think if you're 
Tony Khan. He obviously loves him. He's bought Tarzan Boy, which I'm going to listen to after this podcast now that it's coming to the top of my head. He's bought Tarzan Boy. He's just given a massive win in a pay-per-view. He's been giving him quiet wins all year. He recognises that he's insanely over. Maybe pull the trigger. He's been very careful as Tony Khan not to pull too many triggers across this pandemic, knowing that it might be a little bit of a waste to do like a big euphoric babyface title switch in front of no fans because the fans make those moments. Um, fans are back now. Fingers got down crossed for any variance. This horrible cloud of anxiety that lingers over everything. Why not strap up Jungle Boy? Mm. Why not strap up Jungle Boy? Um, he's the most over-emerging babyface you've got. You could also make the argument that Orange Cassidy is significantly more over than people thought at the start of this year. Um, Jungle Boy or Orange for me. Honestly, looking at that early pay-per-view data, looking at the reaction Orange Cassidy got, looking at the fact that he was the top seller on Pro Wrestling Tees last year, um, the argument could be made that he could win that world title from whoever from whichever heel wins it from Hangman. Mm. Yeah, the, the 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 pessimistic uh, side of my head says, don't book all out 2021 to be effectively NXT TakeOver in New York, where everyone goes, well, that's, uh, that's everything finished then. But like you say, new tag champs potentially at all out, new TNT champion. I mean, you're going to, Britt Baker's obviously going to retain, but a new AEW world champion. This is where champions are made. The tagline is there. Um, and I can't decide whether I want that, A, because you and I and, and all of us here at What Culture are huge fans of Jungle Boy and, and looking at the reception he got at Double or Nothing, get on with it. Like, he ain't winning the world title, but, I mean, TNT Championship is held in such high regard. That's a, a brilliant sort of silver medal for him. Or do I just want to see Miro put Marco Stunt in a horrific... Uh, what's his finisher called in, in AEW? Yeah. Yeah, one of or them. if you're Jim Ross, the accolade. Yeah, I was going to say accolade, and I was like, it's not that. Uh, so we're not in competition with WWE, even though the mutants think otherwise. I'm, I am. I'm, I'm in competition with WWE. <laughs> well, no time to talk about what uh, the uh, Welshman pack has got in his future. So instead, let's talk about <laughs> fixing this bloody casino battle royal. It's a conversation we've, we've tiptoed around for quite some time. It doesn't work, does it? Let's be honest. No, and it didn't work at double or nothing. Distracting. Battle Royals are inherently distracting because there's so much activity um, at once. There's so much bustling, like a bustling mass of flesh that at the start of a Battle Royal is almost indistinguishable. And these matches only get good and dramatic when they thin out. That is why the Royal Rumble was so great. And this is why the Casino Battle Royale sought to put its own spin on the Royal Rumble. But it's a bad one. It's a bad one. The Royal Rumble, it's just so... It's such an easy thing to pop for, man. You're popping for numbers. <laughs> You're popping in anticipation of someone who 80% of the time is the guy you bored of most weeks on Raw SmackDown because you don't know who it's going to be. They've tried to do something like that, but you're diluting the pops because there's four people and what used to happen is that they would do a generic music set and you think, oh, I like those four guys. Who's the fourth? Who's that third guy? <laughs> Not many go, oh, I like that guy. Oh, I'm surprised by that guy. Or that guy's going to come and really change the match. You're just thinking, who's they? You're asking, you're asking the wrong questions entirely. Yeah. They tweaked this 
to not particularly um, any better effect by having individual entrance musics for each one of the five. And it's like, by the time they've all done their entrances, you forgot who's in the match, let alone who's been eliminated from it, let alone watching it, let alone being invested. It's just a total mess that they've overthought from day one. They've tried to tweak on day five or whatever version this one is. I just rip off the Royal Rumble or do a Battle Royal. Just do it. I, I, I can't watch these anymore. They're, they're bad. I've had the, I've, we've had the solution to this. If only TK had got in contact. We've had it sitting right, right here in my lap since the bloody first one, right? Don't, I don't know. I, in my head, they do it on every show and they don't do a casino battle royal on every show. They do, you know, different battle royals for, for Sonic rings or whatever, you know, whatever. Casino in front of everything. And literally, there's never been a classic casino match. No. Respect, regardless of what stipulation it is or gimmick. Look, it might, for me, I'm keeping the casino element. Keep calling it casino battle royal. Only do it a double or nothing, right? Hopefully, double or nothing. You know, we'll be able to go back to being in Las Vegas. I loved all that aspect of it. And it works so well with the chips and the visuals and what we've already established with it. Call it Casino Battle Royal. Just do a Royal Rumble with 37 people. It's really easy. A big roulette wheel. Like, they've got enough people on that roster. You know, I don't know. Well, uh, timing is the only problem. Huh? You don't want this to go an hour is the only problem. Well, this is the thing. That's why I'm only keeping it a double or nothing. It's like the big thing, world title match off the back of it, like Jungle Boy uh, obviously got. I don't know where, I don't know. In, in my head, I'm just going, oh, yeah, just shorten down the time. But then I remember that Royal Rumble where every 60 seconds people came out and you're like, bloody hell, Jesus, like you can't stop this. But that's, it's you know, in terms of just basic solutions there, 36 or well, 37 numbers with the, the your big zero number, because you do the way you do it is obviously not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's, a big roulette wheel with a ball that lands in a hole uh, in digital, you know, obviously, so we don't have to go up to 26 again, bollocks. Um, and the, the the green zero, so it doesn't have to necessarily be at the end, but the green zero is what is the Joker, is what is number 30 in the Royal Rumble. It's the special guest. And if you do it once a year, that's a lot easier to get someone who isn't people going, who, what's this? Oh, is it that? Is that all it is? Once a year, this, like you say, timings and stuff, I'm not too sure how you do it. You're probably just going to have to have like Lance Archer come out and go one, two, three, four, five, six. All you go out, right? There we go. That's thinned out the numbers a little bit. But it, yeah, like you say, in, in its current form, it's not workable. And it was the bit that I'll hold my hand up up until, you know, major eliminations and the 26 year old piece of gold. I want to be a cowboy, baby. The Joker Leo Rush came out. I was watching that on double speed on the Monday. So it needs to be solved, that, doesn't it? Yes, it's just a actively bad, distracting, overlong, weird experience that drags everything down. The performers, the vibe, the length. Get rid of it. Hmm. Uh, one final question. I thought I'd just put this one in because, well, uh, you know, there were some big, big moments, of course, uh, double or nothing and and and... Really, I mean, the crowd being back was probably the, the most important thing. But arguably, right up there with the big headline news is, oh, well, Sting can still bloody go, can't he? Because he was such a surprise package. Um, so I've written this question. It's it's my usual sort of hyperbolic fifth question of like, can people fly? It's uh, <laughs> it's it, I try and reach as far as I can with these questions to give you still give you something feasible to answer. But I went from, oh, cool, 
Sting's there and he can do cinematic stuff and occasionally take a power bomb to, oh, it's TNA Sting. He can do anything. So, like, talk me through your reaction yet again to, to, to his contribution to that tag match and where he goes from here and where in it, whether, whether or not, I'm not saying he should win it, he could genuinely, I mean, be terrified he was in there with someone like Miro. Probably be terrified he was in there with someone like Kenny Omega, despite how good a worker he is. But he could he challenge for a title? To legitimate, like totally overwhelming euphoria, I marked out and I was worked by a worker. I like Brian Cage powerbomb was still feeling that. Were you? Or were you just circulating that so that when you no sold it, it would feel like this even more awesome moment. You're an icon. You're borderline supernatural and how great and powerful and mystical you are. It was just an absolutely fabulous match layout. And it wasn't just smoke and mirrors because there were moments when he was double teaming with Alan where it's like, you're a 40 year old guy. Mm-hmm. Like you're moving like a 40 year old guy and you're putting a match together like a 40 year old guy yeah. who's been in it long enough to be able to realize every single little beat you need to extract. You're not just getting your stuff in. You're, you're, a perfect when to do it performance with the how that was. 40-year-old Sting doing it? Mm. How to do it? Oh, I'll just be 40-year-old Sting. When do it? All right, okay. I'll start using my genius wrestling mind that I've refined uh, like a diamond uh, for years and years and years and years. I just thought it was absolutely wonderful. But in answer to your other question, the more he does it, the less it will feel like this enormous novelty. The framework of AEW means that you'd have to do it quite often to warrant contention. Um, that is... Before they do the actual switch, right, to hopefully Santana and Ortiz, you could probably have Sting on Dark Elevation twice. They've already won two tag team matches. I you like that with this. Dark I went Elevation. exactly the same way when I wrote this question. You could have them on Dark Elevation once or twice, and they can beat um, Bear Country. Darby Allen versus Bear Country would be amazing. Sting can do minimal things in these matches because it's only dark elevation. Um, Bear Country, just insert heel tag team. Um, maybe two of Peter Avalon's lot. Yeah. Because that would, that's a good, I'm good at booking. That would be good <laughs> because, I mean, it's probably bad booking because diluting Sting's appeal when it's a pay-per-view draw on AEW Dark Elevation. But these things all have to matter, wins and losses. Versus Peter Avalon and one of his lads, Nemeth, mm-hmm. Drake, or Benoni, with the idea being that it could be a comedy match and Sting doesn't have to do anything physical. Um, and they can work the young books. I just, I just, I, I wrote this question. I thought, right, I think it's even, you know, Kenny Omega, they're dangerous, first of all, obviously, whether intentional or not. I'm not saying they're dangerous workers, anyone, but Miro. Kenny Omega, their offense is hard hitting. It's it, it panics me, um, and there's no you know I trust them. So that's kind of out, and you're like right, okay. So tag titles, and you sort of go, oh my god, look what the young books did to Moxley and Kingston in terms of taking the piss, and they've got a sixty plus year old bloke in there. They are, they're just gonna perform this thing. I mean, they're. they're Nobeds. I mean, I, I can't. Re- I try and reach for a better, but that's what they are, and they're going to be 
the worst version of themselves against Sting and Darby Allen, two blokes who paint their faces. I mean, put like 10 masks on and keep taking them off. They could do that's why you've got a great character like Sting. There's so much iconography associated with this character that, as you said, like there's loads that can do. They can pretend to surf, they can have 10 masks and take them all off. They can do, they can do like the chest thing and get Robocop. Will Vaughn, Will Vaughn, that's amazing, unbelievable. I'm going to be disappointed if this doesn't happen now. I <laughs> know, that's the exact same thing. We've done it again, haven't we? We've gone, well, this would be great. And if it doesn't happen, it's AW's fault. So there you go. Well, there we go. There you go, Tony Khan. Uh, that's what needs to happen after AW double or nothing. Uh, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed. Who you'd like to see be the next champions? What happens next to the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle and Hangman Page? And how you'd fix the Casino Battle Royal? Uh, let us know on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, of course. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, including previews and reviews. And they start putting the show out a normal time again uh, of AEW Dynamite, of course. But this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.